he's the owner of the most educated feet in professional wrestling. Some would call him the professor. Some might call him infamous. We call him the host of the show. And I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? It's time for the Undisputed Podcast with Bobby Fish. And we're back. Undisputed Podcast, live in your face. That's lovely. In whose God? face? Huh? Frank, <laughs> whose face are we in? Am I gonna get in your face, Frank? You're below me. <laughs> ah, yes. second week in a row, Frank. You're second below me. I am below you. Yes. Who's our guest? Well, our guest is Joe Joseph. Uh, Joe works. Joe Feeney. Yes. Welcome. And he Thank is... You. Joe, what is your official title on the uh, 51... Uh, uh, keeping it 100. What's your official title? Uh, producer slash co-host slash right. ad sales guy slash social right. media. You know. <laughs> the wearer of many hats, not yes. just the one that... Is presently on his head. Is that a uh, Detroit? Uh, no, it's a, what show, is that? Actually, is that for D. Scott? <laughs> yeah, he wore somebody it. stole the Detroit thing and threw a Delco's the area in Pennsylvania I'm from. So ah, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> Delco, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's a um, it's right by South Philly. It's um, right by the the airport and all that. So. Right. Delaware County, yeah. All right, all right. Hmm, we great. know some uh, some people, some some fellas from Pennsylvania. Um, Adam Cole, mm-hmm. he's a Pennsylvania boy. Uh, I don't know where in. I don't know where, but yeah, <laughs> I got an uncle that lives in Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, nope. Rocky lived in Pennsylvania. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it was. Pennsylvania is one of them states that, like, you can drive and drive and drive and drive. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, I'm, we've not left Pennsylvania yet. No. <laughs> it's funny. You hear people say there's like Philadelphia's down here, Pittsburgh's up here, and all in the middle is Pennsylvania. Is what people call it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pencil Tucky. Give you the idea, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Pencil Tucky. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with lead. <laughs> <laughs> Follow that one, D. Follow that one. Frank, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> All fun. right. So Joe, my yes, uh what what's your um what's your background before getting into um the podcast space and it we're like so um keeping it 100 obviously it's a it's a pro wrestling podcast were you uh, a fan of pro wrestling growing up yeah uh big time big time and it's funny i didn't have any podcasting or radio or really much uh like internet social media type experience i i was just working a regular job i was working at a international freight company in my area just a like a warehouse manager guy and the company was moving their lease ran out 
except when they moved, they moved just to, to office space and they had no warehouse space anymore. So my job okay. was eliminated as they like to say. Right. And, uh, during that time I was, you know, hitting my early thirties and I was kind of looking at it like, I don't really want to be here in 30 years. You know, what am I doing? What am I going to do with myself? Right. And so I went back to school and the idea kind of was being like, uh, you know, I went back for creative writing and screenwriting and things like that. It's just something that I've always been interested in, always had that itch, you know, yeah. but at the same time I was, I was a wrestling fan. And, and at that time, which was uh, actually about 2014, I was, I was a much bigger fan than I am now. It's ironic that mm. as I got into it, I became less of a fan, you know, or maybe that's, maybe that's normal. I don't know. But mm. um, I went down to the uh, monster factory which is over in Paulsburg, New Jersey, which is about 20, 25 minutes from me. And I went to a seminar there and got, got to talking to the owner, uh, Danny Cage, about you know yeah. what I was up to, what I was, my ideas were, what I was trying to get hooked on. Because the rest of the seminar was obviously all wrestlers. And I was yeah. you know older. It just wasn't in shape. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't planned. You know? right. And um, I started hanging out there and going down there just kind of, picking up what I could pick up learning here and there. And Danny also had me like, I would write articles for the site or interviews or previews and send them to the other wrestling websites, try to get them picked up, stuff like that. Sure. And uh, that just kind of led to someone saying, you know, podcasting is the thing that's getting hot right now. You know, you might want to podcast instead of trying to write these reviews or whatever and sending them around podcasting seems mm-hmm. to be a growing industry. So I just kind of, it just, happened i kind of just fell yeah. into it you know just from people's suggestions and stuff like that and that was over nine years ago when i started uh, just my own little podcast yeah okay mm-hmm. well very cool very cool i mean it's interesting the way that you know stuff kind of falls in place um and not not to take this like a, a religious or a biblical route but um you know my the faith that i choose to to believe in um it's, uh, you know, rarely are things on our schedule, you know, and, and uh, our, our path is um, made uh, clear to us as we uh, travel down it. And, and it's not always clear until it's the right time. And uh, this seems like that may have been one of those things for you. In, in your life. Definitely. No, I, I agree. 100% with that also because prior like the job I was at I wouldn't have been there if I didn't make this decision if, if this, mm-hmm. this decision before it didn't happen I, I look at it like that a lot like wow I kind of it's it's weird place where I wound up and if I didn't do this decision or this one wouldn't be the case who knows where I would be sure but um I, I had I would get wrestlers as guests and I actually was pretty lucky early on you know I would get uh I remember JJ Dillon was my first big guest and then it was like a few weeks later, it was like, boom, I had Bruce Pritchard and he wasn't, mm-hmm. he was out of the business at the time. He hadn't even started with Conrad yet. So it was kind of like, it was, it wow. was a get, you know, no one had really heard from Bruce yeah. uh, in that space. And, you know, I just went from there, had different guys, DDP. I had Matt Riddle before he was WWE, just stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I was listening to the MLW radio shows back then. And uh, Conan was like the star of the network. So, being a fan, I would bother Conan. Hey, you, you know, you want to do the show? You want to do the show? But Conan, of course, was always like, uh, no, I don't know who you are. I don't want to do it. You know, leave me alone. Yeah. Basically. He gave you the finger. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> and yeah. uh, but then he needed he needed someone to replace the producer and coast on keeping it 100, which was kind of new at the time, maybe 20 episodes. Uh-huh. And just the fact that I was in his 
you know, in his mind from uh, bothering him about doing my show, he's like, wait a minute, here's a guy that knows this show. He could probably come in, not have to be taught anything, and he knows how to produce right. and this and that. Yeah. So he just he hit me up on a DM and was like, hey, do you want to give this a try? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to say uh, no, you know. Yeah. Opportunity. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, that's interesting the way that that comes together. Uh, I got to take you back real quick just because um, of someone you mentioned. Uh Diamond Dallas Page. Yes. Um, you had him on as a guest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, we, um, I would always try to find, you know, the angle to get someone to do the podcast. And it would always be like, hey, uh, you know, WWE is going to be in Philly. I'm in yeah. the Philly area. I have a lot of listeners. Do you want to come on the show? Or, oh, I see you have a book to promote. Do you want to come on the show? DDP, of course. Yeah. At DDP Yoga to report uh, to promote, yeah, her. yeah. And uh, I had actually just started it. Now I'm not going to stand and lie and say that I, I stuck with it for the last nine years. I wish I had, but I, yeah. I liked it at the time. It was it worked for me, and uh, his his personality and his attitude was so positive and great and stuff like that. I was like, you know, he would be a great guest, and yeah. it would expose his DDPY to you know whoever I could yeah. get it exposed to, and. Um, yeah, he was a great he was a great guest. Great guest. He's I, contagious. I still love his stuff. Big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His he he it's infectious. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the the older I've gotten, the more appreciation I've grown for uh positive people um and for people who like just simply won't be denied. Mm-hmm. And not only will they not be denied, but I and I think these things go together, but they also um, they truly are at times uh, 100% willing and able to march to the beat of their own drum. Like, if you don't agree, um, they're okay with it. And they're not necessarily in your face like, oh, well, you're, you're wrong and I'm right. No, but they, they, they just, they're, they're like convicted. You know, they're, they're convinced yes. of their own... Um, you know, whatever. And, and I, I just think it's a, it's a beautiful thing, you know, and uh, I can't say enough positive things about uh, Diamond Dallas Page. I, I, I truly can't. The man's um, he's a gem. He's a total gem. And uh, like, he's one of those people that I feel like, okay, if you don't like DDP, like I, we can't be friends. I, can't, yeah. I cannot be your yeah. friend. Lose my <laughs> number. It's not him. It's definitely you. You're probably the problem. You're a piece of shit. Right. right. (laughs) And yet it's funny because, you know, we we talk about, you know, you know, life's journey and how you wind up on a certain path and timings, a lot of it. And I remember just from being a big fan of DDP, he tried it, his yoga thing, like even in the late nineties where it was like yoga for real guys or something. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Okay. But it didn't really. And he just kept, fine-tuning it and all that until he had the ddpy system which now is super popular and it became an amazing success so yeah i i'll tell you what man you're preaching to the choir here i almost did uh ddpy before we got on this podcast um Mm. and uh i have done it as recently as yesterday and uh, I'm currently getting my level one certification uh, in DDP yoga. Nice. Uh, I, man, I love it. it. As far as all of the, the ways that I train, which, you know, there's numerous, there's, there's you know, multiple. 
but that's the one that I probably do most often just because, um, there's times that I can do it, uh, and, and it, it's just active recovery, you know? Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. then there's other times where I, I can add it to other things and like, man, it's just so, um, it's so, uh, usable and so very user-friendly and man, uh, like I said, I <laughs> I guess we got to get off the subject of DDPY because we'll just sit here uh, talking them up for for an hour. But yeah, what a what a what a sweetheart of a man and a great product, man! What a, what a fantastic yep. product DDPY is. DDP Yoga. I don't even know what he's calling it these days. <laughs> it's going from yoga to DDPY to um, I think he goes back and forth on that a little bit. I, I don't yeah. I don't know exactly, but I think it's fantastic as a system. Right. I mean, it's just, it's one of the only things that my body actually uh, craves at times. Mm-hmm. Like if I wake up and I'm really stiff, I want to, there are certain positions that we do in that, that I'm, <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> Frank's face, first of all, because uh, I made a face because you just prepositions yeah no it was more yeah. like when i wake up and i'm really stiff is what because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. frank and i are mind out of the gutter because clearly dude. you don't remember that frank and i are like fucking six like <laughs> yeah yeah apparently so yes all right well there was a point to be made but it's now in the ether and it's gone <laughs> By that. He, just, right. he just means that he forgot what he was saying. It's right. <laughs> All right. So you've been with um, Conan and Disco. Uh, mm-hmm. How long now? I came in with those guys at the beginning of uh, 2017, actually. Oh, wow. So now we're, okay. we're six and a half years that we've okay. been doing the show. And it's not, it, it's been great. It's fun, but it's also not the most, it's not the easiest thing to interject into that relationship either guys that have known each other since 1995 or whatever and have a rapport right. you know but yeah. uh eventually it, i i fit in the best i could and, and you know audience seems to now it's like oh the three on k100 the, the three guys on k100 they really like it right. and um it's cool because i was able that that kind of gave me the ability being on that show to do other things which i worked for um conrad thompson shows for a while Okay. Which is great, Connor, you know. That's huge in that. Space. Yeah, I mean, that does it get. I don't even know if it gets any bigger than. Connor. No, not not no, absolutely. Not and I, I was I was doing a handful of his shows, you know, weekly. Okay. So that was really really steady work, you know. So when you say and, doing those shows, were you mm-hmm. an on air personality, or were you doing uh, behind the scenes, or were you doing both? Or with Conrad, with Conrad, I was just producing. Okay. So I would, you know, add music, take out. Yes, dead sir. air or stuff they didn't want all that you know and uh, upload it and make sure everything was where it was supposed to be so right. that was yeah so that was fun and uh then that led me to uh actually i had raven as a guest when i was still doing my podcast which i just kind of went to the wayside as i got in other things unfortunately but right. we had such a good rapport that he wound up he was at the time looking for another co-host on his podcast Okay. So that led me into doing that too. So right now I do K100 with Kona and Disco and I do the Raven effect too every week. Oh, you're like a professional co-host. Look at you. Yeah, getting there. Getting there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Very cool. We that was uh that was Frank's nickname in college, Dead Air. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Small world. Small world. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Frank. I, I, I couldn't let it go. <laughs> so any um, interest in – so happy as you can be with, with what you're doing right now. Um, are you looking to do – more um what what are you what are what's what's the future for you joe well yeah it's it's funny that you asked that i had someone ask me that the other day and it's it's like man i really it's first time in my life i really am happy like i have these couple of gigs they're fun and we found a way to earn with them and stuff like that so I'm good with that. What I, what I also was able to do, like being a self-taught type guy that kind of came into this, came into podcasting was, you know, you have to learn if you're going to do this, you have to learn how to, how to monetize it, you know? And I was able to do that in a couple of different ways. So aside from the co-hosting and and, and producing, I do over on K100 and the co-hosting with Raven. I also have some other shows under my umbrella that I will try to find, you know, mid-roll ads for or pre-roll ads or, any kind of sponsorship. I still work with Conrad a little bit on that, a, a few of their okay. shows. Okay. And so, so then has that kind of created another um, like uh, title, like another uh, employment, so to speak, where you can do that for shows as well. Like another, I, does it add to your resume? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it's funny when I try to, uh, I try to make a new resume because the old resume is all like drove a forklift four years, you know, it's whatever. Yeah, right. But uh, with this one, it's, it's almost hard to figure out how to, what to write and how to write it down. Cause it's just right. like you said, many different duties and things that I've learned and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I, I enjoy, uh, I found, I enjoy like the hunt, you know, like, yeah. what, like this, this company has interest in being on with say on um, uh, Jim Ross's show. Well, let me talk yeah. to them. And, and you got to sell them the show. You're trying to bring them in yeah. for yourself. You're trying to bring them in so you can make that call over to Conrad or his guy. Like, all right, we got them. You know, it's, yeah. it's it becomes like a you're competing with yourself. On, well, you're competing with a million other shows, but you're almost competing with yourself trying to, can I get mm-hmm. this? You know, so I like that a lot. So ad sales would be on the resume too, I guess. Something yeah. like that. You know? Well, well yeah, being, I like that part of it. Being self-taught, um, yeah. I would think that, you know, like that, I'm, we just brought them up a minute ago and I, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually fearful of going back because we might get stuck there again. Yeah. But uh, DDP, you know, just kind of a guy that was a very much do-it-yourselfer and why not me? You know, it's a similar right. attitude. Well, why, why can't I? And I, I feel like that's uh, one of the things I think with Dallas that um, serves him best is that it's like, okay, well, well, what do you mean I'm too old? Or what do you mean I'm, why, why not me? And he just, you know, it's just the spirit of the man. And uh, maybe you got a little bit of that in you too, Joe. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, I, I know a little bit about DDP too. So it's, he was one of the first guys that, utilize the internet as a wrestler like early on he had like a it wasn't a message board even yet it was one of those aol boards i forget what they were called (laughs) it was like just him and mark marrow that had one you know okay he saw where things were going and he needed a way to interact with the fans and build the fan base that wasn't there yet and that's just what i think of when you said before like do you know where you want to go and stuff like that that's it's a question for anyone that's doing podcasting right now. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we're cool. Everyone's having fun doing a podcast and you know, the, 
money around the industry seems to be going up and, and, you know, but right. where's it going to go, you know, because years ago there was uh, real audio, you know, that's not around anymore, you know? So right. it's kind of like, well, what's the evolution going to be for this industry? And you got to try to keep an eye on what's coming up. You know, well, I, I, think I, it, I mean, I, I would say Joe, like Dennis, yeah. you, you, you would probably have some um, opinions on, on this. Um, Dennis has been in radio. How, how long now, D? 24 years. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it, we in because uh, it's commercial radio. So I think we're yeah. trying to we're trying to find that space to coexist with all the streaming platforms that are out there and mm-hmm. stay relevant with that, which is it's the funniest thing. And the most ironic thing about radio is for years, they've been telling us to shut up. People mm. don't people don't want to hear you talk. They want to hear the music. They don't want to hear you talk. Right. But, you could do a podcast. And I was like, this is the fucking stupidest thing you could possibly tell me as my manager. You're like, you just told me that people don't want to hear me talk, but I should do a podcast where I do nothing but talk. Why can't I just talk on the platform that I fucking have? Right. Right. I agree. So, but it's a, it, it's this weird place that we're in. Like I said, there's, there is that, especially for, for music, there are so many outlets for music. So we're trying to kind of find that place where it's like, Give them a reason to listen to the radio on top of, you know, the with, with the music. And that's where, as a personality, we come in because we, we give them that personality that Spotify doesn't or that, you know, creating your own playlist doesn't give you. It's the so I specialize in saying stupid shit in 12 second increments. <laughs> that's yeah, it's cool. That's what I was going to say it's hard if, uh, you know, your average ra- radio fan or rock radio fans like, yeah, I feel like hearing metallica let me put on the local they, you don't have to do that anymore you just go to right. your spotify and go metallica and uh, if you don't own the song it'll just create a radio station for you almost it'll be play metallica and then megadeth and then this and then you know what i mean like that's yeah i hadn't thought about that it's really difficult for radio these days commercial radio well and the ironic thing too is uh I, so i started in 99 and it's been a dying industry since i started so yeah i don't I hate this, when that but, happens but when people are like it's a dying industry i'm like really because i'm 24 years into it here we still mm-hmm. are and i'm still doing going it for a living and it's yeah i don't think it'll ever really go away but it's got it you know it's evolving best that it can and it's free that's one of the great things you get in your car right. and we're there you know mm-hmm. it's, it's like so. herpes it's free oh. and it doesn't go away most people most people sometimes you get in a car yeah so, yeah <laughs> I would, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people paid for herpes. They just didn't know that they were paying for uh, herpes. Yeah, this is true. Wow, that's I'm true, sure. too. I'm That's sure. true. So then would that be like a bonus? They got the herpes were a bonus. <laughs> Yikes. Maybe. It depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Maybe. Frank, you got any opinions on that, Frank? On herpes? Yeah. Because that's what yeah. we're talking about right now. Is it? Or you're more of a wig guy. I'm a wig guy, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> barber. Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel everybody's pain on that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went. Er- I went early. It was very sad. Oh, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if, if anyone can like. I I lost it. Uh, geez, like before my mid twenties, it, it wasn't coming mm. back, and I was like, "Whoa, this was quick." <laughs> like, wait a minute. Yeah, it went from like being a little younger and and friends of mine joking like, "Ah, that hairline." I don't know. You're probably gonna lose that. Ah, shut up. There's nothing wrong with my hairline. <laughs> And then, uh, I, but I would always buzz it anyway. So I wasn't like, yeah. I wasn't that attached to it, but it was still would have been nice to not lose it so early. You know? Yeah. But, 
Frank, how early was it for you? Uh, if my I always up, remember you having your head shaved. I don't ever. Yeah. I I don't ever remember you not having your head shaved. Man, since I probably my mid twenties, I started shaving it. it, it it'll grow yeah. back. It'll, it's a full head of hair. Oh, oh man, you do it on purpose. Oh, that's yeah. that's oh, insulting. Look at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't you both do it on purpose? Yeah, I mean, oh, I, everybody. I got, full, oh. I, got a, I got a full head. It's, it's my dad's hairline, so it's nice. retreating. Don't get me wrong, ah. but it's not going. I have. I mean, at this point, who knows? Oh, that's it. I'm all alone on that one. Damn, I thought I (laughs) thought there was some camaraderie there. You thought you you were in the the tree. It was safe. Yeah. Yeah. Safe in the nest. (laughs) I have it. So we're good. Ah. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) all right. So I got to ask your first impressions of disco. I had to, and I think another another thing that helped me get on with with on K100 with Conan and Disco was I had Disco on my show a couple of times, which I never oh, said okay, said cool. the name. It was it was called uh, Creative Control with Joe Feeney's back. I haven't done one in like okay. four years, but I, I came in at a time that was like really good, uh, like I said, 2014. So right. it was starting to blow up a little bit, but there wasn't nine million fan podcasts yet. Right. So. It was kind of like a good. It was a good time to start, and and so when guys weren't getting crushed with a hundred invites a week, do my podcast, do my podcast. Yeah, you stood out a little bit more. So I had Disco on Disco, who won't do anyone's podcast at this point. He's that's mm-hmm. it. I was I had him on a couple of times, so he knew who I was. And so okay. when it came time for Conan to be like, "Hey, you want to try this?" I went on the right. show, kind of already knowing Disco a little bit. Um, so my, my, my impressions of DI were always really, really good. Actually. Yeah. I've never had, yeah, I never had a problem with DI. He does his thing, you know, yeah. and, uh, and of course, but the, both of them can be a ball breaker, which is just the way it is. Well, ball you busting. Know? I mean that, you know, I think that's why I'm so drawn to it. My father just busted balls. That's, that, mm-hmm. that's the kind of humor I was raised around. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean that uh when I came on the show, um, you know, we 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 talked a little bit of business, but more than anything, it was, you know, it just felt like, you know, a few guys uh busting balls. Right. Right. You know? But it's it's funny as a just, you know, normal guy or whatever coming into it, you think you're a professional ball buster with your friends, mm. and then you get into the world where now you're competing against a couple of wrestlers that have been around locker rooms for 30 yeah, years that, that really have yeah. their black belt and ball busting when you realize oh, yeah. shit, I'm an amateur, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You realize you're an amateur. Cause you're like, Oh shit, I shouldn't yeah. have sold that. Again, yeah. the, the oh, truth totally. is, is you can't sell anything. <laughs> Never took me a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> took me a couple of years. Yeah. Yep, but they know they get you. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well be, uh, no life jacket. Skins had to get thicker for sure, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh my, for sure, for sure. They kind of have to. Um, so you said you were a big fan uh, growing up. What were your, what were the things? So, so your earliest memories of the business were were what? Let's kind of, I don't know, maybe timeline this a little bit. One of the first things I remember, it's like I know I watched it before this, but this is the first one that stands out is um, 
Hogan and Andre on Piper's pit when they were sent up WrestleMania three and uh-huh. Andre pulls off the cross yeah. and Heenan's and there and Ventura. Right. Yeah. And, uh, Savage coming off with the ring belt to hit Steamboat on the back of the neck and he couldn't talk and all that. Yeah. So it was like WrestleMania three stuff that brought, and I was probably five. So yeah, that's the stuff that brought me in. And and I stuck around, you know, for a while. And then there's, it seems there's a lot of people that say a similar thing to me. It's like a lot of fans dipped out in like 93. It was just around that time, you know, let's take a break. And then everybody came back for, the NWO and mm. attitude and ECW. And I was like that too, being, you know, a Philly guy. Yeah. That's the well, kind of stuff that I, I lean towards, especially because the ECW being here. That's where I was going to go was yeah. how, how big of a fan of ECW were you and, and how close to ECW were you from a, um, just a fandom sort of perspective, because there were some people that like, I feel like damn near traveled with the show. Yeah. Um, it's, I missed it for a little while. Like I didn't get too into it until like later in 96. So I wasn't there for a lot of the early stuff. I didn't realize they they had a big show about five minutes from my house, but I was in like my wrestling sabbatical, you know? And I remember a friend of mine saying, I was at this show when you got to see it. And, And the main thing he said was, it was real. You couldn't believe it. They were doing real stuff. It was crazy. You know, Cactus Jack and Ray. Right. Haven and Sandman list. Um, but I fi- I got down to the arena uh, early in 98 finally and found from watching it on TV that it was a good thing for a, a punk teenager like myself to share with his dad who normally right. he'd be bickering with. But when we had wrestling, we were buddies, you know, uh, so we started cool. going, we started going to the arena there a lot. And then um, we, we went to a lot of stuff actually when I was a teenager, I remember we went to one of the first CZW shows, uh, it, it might as well have been in a garage. I'm not even sure what the th- what the place was called, but mm-hmm. a buddy of my dad's knew one of the referees and he was like, yeah, just come check it out. And that was like, whoa, because they went right. a little bit above. Yeah. So we did that. We would go like uh, local NWA shows, maybe and, and ECW arena. And like we had our little thing. And but yeah, that was to me the coolest part when I was of that age was just being able to get along with my dad and hang out with my dad. Right. Have a place. Yeah. to go. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful, man. I mean, and I, we still I, do I, it, I'll, you know, so. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. I mean, that that's how wrestling started for me was um, watching my uh, my dad and my uncle Mike were uh, both firemen. They were on the department together and everything. And then like growing up, um, we would go to my uh, uncle Mike's and my aunt Kathy's a lot. And uh, we the, like wrestling just. I don't know, would just be on. I remember seeing uh, Superfly come off the top of the cage onto mm. Don Morocco um, mm-hmm. on the floor um, at my uh, my Aunt Kathy and Uncle Mike's house. And um, I just remember some, some early, early, uh, like, I was too young to even recall it, but like Bob Backlund and... Um, those are my earliest memories, the Wild Samoans. Um, but I wouldn't really call myself a fan then because I was just, mm-hmm. but I, I, it was intriguing. I was curious. I was like, what the fuck is this stuff? And right. then, you know, then it was Hulkamania, you know, for sure. And the, the, the memories you were talking about before, like Steamboat uh, with the Larynx and Macho Makeup, that was like <laughs> yeah. when I was 
you know, that's when I was all in. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I was, I was fit to be tied when the, the ring bell steamboat thing with, right. the, with Macho, like that was, whew, that was a tough one for me. That scarred me. <laughs> and I was at the right age too, where <clears throat> around that time, you know, the video games started coming, the toys started coming. Yeah. So it was, it wasn't just a show on TV. It was, yeah, your friends would come, Hey, did you see superstars or whatever, but then you'd be playing the video games together. You'd be like, no, I have the Macho Man figure. Oh, you have Andre. All right, let's yeah. do this. Let's play, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it seems like that generation went from your uh, five to 10 year olds during Hulkamania to 16 to 20 year olds in the late nineties, which became attitude and ECW and NWO and all that. So yeah. that was, it was kind of funny seeing wrestling almost grow up with that fan base, you know? It's like, oh, oh, you guys are teenagers now. All right, here's uh, Sable and Sonny, and here's some uh, Cactus doing a barbed wire match. You're a little older now. Let's go a little crazier, you know? So, right. That's a good yeah. way to look at it. That's a good way to look at it. You're absolutely dead on with that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And now it's when you see reports on the like the wrestling television audience, and it's always like, and I, I always say this sounds strange, but it's always like wrestling's TV viewing audience averages 53 years old. And you're like, what? That doesn't sound right, you mm. know, but I, I guess it does skew a little older if it's um, if it's that same group of fans that have been watching since the 80s or even the 70s, you mm -hmm. know, we're all getting older. So, but yeah. yeah. Father time's undefeated. Yeah, you know, that's for right? sure. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, he is. Did you, he is, right? He's undefeated. <laughs> you can't beat him. I can't right? beat him. Even in the handicap match. No, I don't no. think so. No, no, definitely not. Definitely He's a not. tough street customer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you said that like a couple weeks ago. I, you know what? I can't lie. What? It, like that's a tough, Bobby, a tough street customer. Like, Bobby's is tough brain. the name of a street? No, that came from Bobby <laughs> Brain Heenan. Like, is it capital T? I'm telling you where it came from. It came from where? Bobby Brain It came from who? There was a manager in the 80s, Bobby the Brain Heenan. You may have heard yeah, of him. Maybe the greatest. Hmm. He definitely did not say that. I swear to God, that was a line. A he tough said. street customer? A tough street customer. Uh, I don't know. I, I miss got, all those we're gonna have to get some. We're going to have to get some. Uh... Gorilla Monsoon calling King Kong Bunny the Welcome Condominium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I do remember. That I do remember. Um, or he so, Heenan, Heenan on commentary would call San, uh, Chico Santana, no, and he would he, call he his move, which he couldn't do anymore. Of course, kind of stuff now. yeah, no way. He would do the he would do the flying forearm, and Heenan would go, "Oh, the flying burrito!" burrito. Like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, <laughs> Heenan would definitely not be allowed to yeah. be on commentary today. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way, and that's see, that's I'm not saying that it, it you know, it. it things shouldn't evolve and whatever, but like it is, it's, it's interesting to think that a guy like Bobby Heenan, who I'll say this, there's an argument to be made for Heenan being arguably the most talented um, performer mm -hmm. in all of professional wrestling, you know, like bar none. He, he could make you, if, if pro wrestling is about making you feel something, Bobby Heenan could make you feel every emotion, um, top to bottom. And, and j just his timing, 
his comedic timing and, and the way that him and uh, Monsoon, the way that they were able to bounce off each other. I mean, I don't think that it's been done before or since. I really, I don't think there's a, you know, there's a duo like that, that, that you can compare them to. I mean, they were, they were um, amazing. Right. And it's younger fans would want to hear that though. You don't think what? Younger fans would be into that. We we that that's our right. stuff. But younger fans, I don't think they would be into two guys with a back and forth like that. They're too short minded. They're too um they're not into it. Maybe off my lawn. I don't know. I may <laughs> I don't I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right. But um I Man, uh, primetime wrestling, and maybe that, maybe I'm partial for a reason, you know, because that's part of what I grew up on. Like, yeah, him yeah. And, and they would throw to, to, to Gino or not Gino, uh, to Gorilla and, and Bobby Heenan. And, uh, even when it later, when it was Jesse, mm-hmm. um, there just was just a rapport, just a, a, a thing there that was, um, I don't know. It, it just worked. And I, I think, you know, Vince is, uh, Vince is brilliant for, for seeing it. And, uh, you know, we talked about monetizing podcasts earlier, but like Vince has found a way to monetize all that stuff. Like, especially that, you know, being yeah. one of them, you know, he was smart enough to put Bobby, the he- Bobby Heenan in the positions he did knowing how talented he was, um, you know, and it wasn't necessarily the, the talent that you always would, you know, you would see immediately. It was uh, discovering probably along the way the other things that Bobby was so uh, so brilliant at doing. Yeah, and it's with monetizing and marketing and seeing the future and all that. I remember being younger and you would hear little things like, you know, one day there's going to be a pro wrestling channel. It's like, no, that's mm. ridiculous. That's never going to happen, you know? Yeah, and right. uh, yeah. it didn't, I don't know what form Vince initially visualized it in, but it came, it, it came to be, uh, uh, first it was the on-demand and then it became WWE Network. Yeah. But uh, the reason I thought of that was because if you're an older fan and you're like, ah, I'm going to throw, let me put on the WWE Network and see what to watch. And you just put on a random show. The second you hear Heenan on commentary, you're like, oh, this is going to be a good one. Yes. Mm. You know, because even mm. if it's not, Visually that great, Bobby's going to carry it. You know, Bobby's going to yeah. be fantastic. Carry it is exactly what Bobby did most of mm-hmm. his career. And that that's what I think made him so valuable was like they would, he would be, you know, you hear about, okay, well, guy can't really uh, promo well. You give him a manager and, and, you know, he'll be his mouthpiece, blah, blah, blah. But Bobby was more than that he was never just a mouthpiece for anybody. He was, he was more than that. Um, and he, he was able to, to compliment guys, you know, to not be so as talented as he was, you would think he would have had an issue with overshadowing his guys. Um, and I, I don't feel like he did. I feel like he, he really was able to tiptoe that line and, and was a guy that, um, you know, I didn't know the man personally, but uh, it would, I would imagine um, he did a good job of containing his ego. Yeah. You know, because in that position, I, I would think that, um, you know, if, if you're not aware, 
if you're not as as aware as as you should be um yeah you you know your ego we all have them could uh could definitely run away with it and if any of you guys are big readers or like just big readers in like the sports space or if there's there's like there's not a pro wrestling book you don't want to grab and read heenan's books probably well it's over 20 years old now his first book but that is a great book man and 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 the way he tells the stories as ray basically not as the bobby the brain but as ray heenan it's it's just add another dimension to him and he's he was an excellent storyteller really there were some touching moments in it too believe it or not for yeah it's 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 really really good i feel like it came out in kind of a weird time before you know before the books became a huge thing I to look that up because I don't think I read yeah. Bobby's book, but I would love to. You know whose yeah. whose book was great uh, from a manager standpoint? Gary Hart. Gary Hart's Gary yes. Hart's book was awesome. Mm-hmm. I haven't read that. Yeah. No, I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, I can't. Even, tough. I can't read. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Gary's Gary's is tough to yeah. get because, from what I understand, it only had like one or two printings, and then whoever in yeah. his family owns it. But I think it's his son. Yeah, he doesn't want to put it on Kindle or something. I don't know, but there is ways to read it, you know, and it's it's yeah. been around. I've, it's it's come around the block a few times, you know, if so, right. someone's sending it to somebody and you're like, oh, look who's on this email chain. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> it's in Braille. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's, in Braille. it's only available in Braille. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but that was a good one. JJ Dones is good. Ole Anderson's is good too. Mm. You know, older school stuff, yeah. Yeah. Are you a big fan of the uh the older school stuff, Joe? Yeah. Um I like, like the stuff before your time, before your fandom. Yeah, either a little bit before or stuff that was going on that I wasn't aware of at the time. Like uh-huh. you go back and there's a lot of for for being a northeast kid. You know, WWE was the was the thing and all that. But then you catch a little NWA on TBS. You're like, well, what is going on? What's this? Right. You know, it's a different channel, different. But were yeah, you, I, I love. Were you aware of that stuff when you were a kid? From flipping channels and from the magazines. Okay. You know, you would catch it. So I knew the horse when I knew Flair. I knew when right. Ricky Steamboat jumped or Lex Luger, Barry Windham, all that stuff. Yeah. But I, I like going back and watching NWA. Uh, Mid South and UWF, and I will I have like a guilty pleasure thing almost for like early to mid nineties Memphis, like USWA. When yeah. people would say, "Oh, was it? It was at its silliest." There was like a swamp monster and a robot wrestler and this and that. I'm like, yeah, but there was a lot of good Lawler stuff in there too. You know, yeah. you could throw on any episode of uh, Memphis TV and you're gonna yeah. be entertained. Yeah, the uh, the Crockett years. Uh, is what caught my attention the most. Like at mm-hmm. 88, 89, and maybe even 90, like that stuff, that NWA um, era is what to me was like, well, you know, being an upstate New York kid, I grew up on WWF and I grew up mm-hmm. a Hulkamaniac. Um, but that stuff, when they, when, when they started carrying TBS, in um you know because of the atlanta braves um in the area uh of upstate new york that i grew up in um that was the first time i was exposed to it i remember i remember they were doing like a a recount of starcade and it was dusty and he was Mm. bleeding buckets 
and it was a Saturday morning. And this is back when, you know, <laughs> superstars was just jobber matches. Nobody was fucked. There was no color. And this was dusty, um, you know, from a starcade. So it was a, a, for lack of a better term, a pay-per-view, mm. uh, but that they were like highlights, but still to see, you know, dusty bleeding buckets on a Saturday morning, I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> and I always kind of considered them in my, my immature mind at the time is like, well, WWF is, it's, it's pro wrestling, but NWA is, that's real. Mm-hmm. That's the real stuff. And then that's when I, you know, then I, I got uh, keen to Sting, and you know, Sting led me to Muda, and then they, forget about it. It was fucking lights out at that point. It's cool to go, like when you watch that stuff, and it's funny because he didn't get, he wasn't like uh, the rep, wasn't like the greatest in ring work or whatever. But Luger in those days, from like you know eighty seven to ninety two mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he could move, he could go, you know, and it's people don't, people remember, you know, later, latter day Luger yeah. where, you know, he kind of was chilling, I guess. But when he was in his prime there, he was really good. When he was raw, mm-hmm. I think that that's when I was exposed to him. And and he was, he was obviously mm-hmm. like this young and he fit the role perfectly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it was probably the perfect storm for him to be appealing um, yeah. It definitely appealed to me as a young fan at that time because A, he looked like a million bucks. B, he was positioned as like the blue chipper of the horseman, you mm-hmm. know? And it was almost like you were waiting for him to turn on Flair, who was yep. the top guy, but who you could you could just feel like, well, he's the next coming of of flair you know mm-hmm. but at that time you, you know you i realize how crazy that sounds uh as a somebody on this side of the business now um but at that time that that's really what it felt like and that's all you know the the pieces of the puzzle fit like he looked like a million bucks and that's all he needed to look like at that time to be the young guy who could potentially steal flares um you know uh, take the wind out of flare sails or like right. steal his spotlight and uh and it had that feel and and it who you know was it who dusty booking at the time i, I you know i think yeah i think uh, but just booked brilliantly you know because you could see it coming but you you couldn't see it coming i don't know there was something perfect about it Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I was, you know, twelve or thirteen at the time, so I didn't, I, I didn't question. And that—that's right. the stuff too. I think nowadays is is in the way that the internet, in many ways, has made the business better, and in many ways, it's made it's it's made it's ruined the business because you have so many fans nowadays that they they don't buy into the storylines the way that I was at thirteen years old. Um, they it's more about the dirt and it's more about you know who's um you know who's fighting who backstage and and who's you know girlfriend's a whore and you know whatever and it's like it just wa- watch the storylines for what they I, and we're missing some of the greatest not missing but like the bloodline we've talked about it 
at length on yeah. the show. Yeah. How great of a storyline that is. Fantastic. Yeah. And there's always another left turn or whatever. You're like, whoa, this is, I didn't see that part, you know? And yeah. That's, that, that's a throwback to me to like, um, just a throwback to like being a fan, just being yeah. a fan. You know, I really, I'd love to see, um, I'd really love to see something like a storyline like that where people can be invested uh, because I think it's great for the business, for the wealth to be spread around. I'd love to see something catch fire like that with AEW. I, I really yeah. think that, you know, a storyline that people could could sink their teeth into, um, you know, a guy like MJF. Um, and I don't know, it doesn't even necessarily need to be him. It, it could be anybody. I, I think I watched Collision the other night. and oh, The match was <clears throat> Omega. Ooh. The who? Him and Omega had a great match. Oh, did? Well, okay. what, what stuck out to me was the way that the House of Black uh, came back. And yeah. I think that them, I think it's a little left of center and it's, there's something cool about it. And I, I almost would love to see them just run a little bit with the with the house of black a little bit more i mean all three guys are capable as hell there's something and it this is you know like i love tommy um buddy murphy's you know built like a brick shit house uh and but um uh, shit i forget the big man's name but um brody king brody king yes there's something yeah. about brody king he scares that, me. Yes. <laughs> makes me nervous. The man's excitement. He makes me fucking nervous <laughs> just to see him on screen, you know. And uh yeah, I think there's something there. you lock your doors at night. Yeah, I think there's money to be made with the with the House of Black right now. You know, I really uh I'd love to see them run wild with that and uh you know, just there's a, a, a great storyline. There's a segment on on K100 with Conan and Disco where they Conan wanted to do something where, well, if you send if you have a band or you're you produce your own hip hop or whatever it is, send in your music, and we'll play it on the show for a little exposure, but we're gonna judge it, you know. Mm -hmm. So it turned into through the years. Now it's mostly video because everyone's putting their stuff on YouTube with an accompanying video, even if it's low budget. That's what they do. So. A few months ago when we did the segment, um, somebody sent us a video of a live punk uh, festival. And they were like, keep a close eye on the singer. And he's going to beat the shit out of a fan, basically, that runs on stage. And uh, it was Brody King. He was singing. Uh, he was guest. He was like a guest vocalist with this band. And someone ran yeah. on stage like, woo, bam, you know, yeah. laid him out. Yeah. I think he might have threw a trash can at him. You know, it was like, okay, yeah, Brody's a little scary. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It's uh, just one of those things that stuck out to me from uh, the episode I watched the other night, and uh, the way it came together was done well. But there was, I could not, you know, and obviously, like I'm, I'm seeing Tommy and I'm seeing Buddy Murphy. And I'm seeing Brody, and, and then I can my eyes keep going back to Brody. Like, is he gonna fucking eat someone? <laughs> yeah, I, 
yeah yeah it's just cool there's something dangerous about it and that that makes wrestling cool in my opinion absolutely yeah absolutely yeah so um joe the uh when you were growing up and ecw not growing up but like what later on mm-hmm. ecw was such a an integral behind the scenes part to the monday night wars right yeah um were you aware of that at the time being being closer or was it still because i know for myself i was a big monday night wars fan but i had no idea how much ecw influence there was underneath and um i really wasn't a huge ecw guy you know Mm -hmm. i didn't uh i I remember taz kind of the the whole thing with taz was intriguing to me yeah um, I really loved that. Um, and obviously Bam Bam Bigelow, um, when he had jumped over, I remembered Bam Bam from WWF and, yep. you know, I knew, I knew who he was and I was just always a, you know, just always thought he was a great, uh, wrestler, but yeah. So I guess my question is, did, did ECW bring you over back or back over to like WWF, uh, and WCW or was there one that you were more um, like loyal to or was it just wrestling in general? Well, I can't, when I came back to watch, um, like I said before, it's kind of, whoa, Hogan, Hogan turned bad. What? And then you yeah. turn on the TV and you start seeing, wow razor and diesel are over here and but then you'll see a match where you know it's it's conan versus juventud Guerrero or or chris jericho and chris benoit or something who are these guys you know and from there you know you're you're so excited that you're watching wrestling again you're like well let me see what's on raw and then you'll oh steve austin's over here now and vader and brett's coming Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. and i don't remember how exactly i found ecw i knew of it and then, you know, one night you found it on Channel 48 or whatever. There was a channel in Philadelphia, <clears throat> excuse me, called um, – it was, it was Channel 48, like how back in the day it was Channel 3, 6, 10, 29 was Fox, whatever. There was this local Channel 48, and I guess it was, you know, paid programming after a certain hour. So every night at 11 o'clock or 12, they had a different wrestling show. It was like they would have ECW and then USWA and then – whatever else was out there at the time, maybe they'd have WCW worldwide or something, but I found ECW on this, you know, channel 48. And it was around the time that they were about to come on WWE television invade ECW is going to invade the uh, Manhattan center, mm-hmm. you know? So it wasn't, it, it wasn't so much. A, it was like being back and watching WCW was exciting to the point where I was like, let me see what's going on everywhere else, you know? Right. So, and then kind of, I was just a fan of, of everybody, <clears throat> but like a lot of people, I started out, you know, watching every minute of Nitro and then maybe catching up on Raw later to flipping yeah. and watching most of Raw and checking out WCW here and there. And yeah. it was, it, it's funny because it was a very short period of, of time, really, comparatively. Yeah. Like now you, you think of a moment, like a WrestleMania moment or whatever, and you're like, oh, wow, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. But in the meantime, the Monday Night Wars was a little bit less than six years. And yeah. ECW was gone, and they were only around about seven, you know. So, right. 
Yeah. Right. What do you think it is, Joe, if you had to give, you know, give an opinion on it, what do you think it is about the invasion angle that makes it so recyclable? Recycle. Okay. I think we all know. Recycle. Recycle. Yeah. Wow. That is hard. Recycle. Yeah. Recyclable. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like I, because yeah. it's been done in many incarnations it has been done. Um, I, I think the, the story goes back that um, Eric Bischoff saw it in uh, new Japan and all Japan and kind of ripped the idea from there. And, and, you know, I mean, nothing's ripped because a lot of it's just recycled stuff anyway, but um, yeah. What do you think in your opinion? Um, what do you think uh, makes the invasion? So um, appetizing to a fan. The idea that the, the fantasy booking aspect of like, wow, what would uh, Taz do against Ken Shamrock, for example, back then? Yeah. Or Van Dam and, uh, you know, Van Dam and uh, Sting or, you know, whatever you would think of back then. <clears throat> yeah. Steve Austin against, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's just the, the idea of seeing these guys interact. And nowadays, unfortunately, as you mentioned earlier, it's probably more like, wow, the Undisputed Era, they're all together in AEW now. How's that going to work backstage? That's almost more of, you know, it's unfortunate, but yeah, like yeah. that's not how I was looking at it. When you guys were there, I was like, oh, cool. Undisputed yeah. Ira and, and the elite. That's phenomenal. That writes itself, you know? Yeah. But a lot of people, it's more like, how are they going to coexist with the guys that have already been the leaders there? And, you know, it's, yeah. it's just a different way people look at it now. But yeah, and that always has drew people because back in the day, the magazines would do it. Fantasy right. Warfare, Hogan right. versus Flair or whatever. And, hundred percent. I grew up yeah. on those magazines. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was always, man, I'm never going to see this. So I'll, I'll read the yeah. article, you know, and then eventually we, we got almost everything that, uh, yeah. you know, even warrior went to WCW at one point. So yeah, everybody, almost everybody jumped back and forth, you know, but at, at that time in the early nineties, it seemed like a WWE guy was a WWE guy, a WCW guy was a WCW guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's interesting to to see it that way, too, because, you know, you bring up those magazines and I definitely, um, you know, read those fantasy bookings as well. And and they were they because they were never going to happen. They, they were so cool. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's what the Monday Night Wars kind of were. And, and that, that that makes total sense as to why people were tuning in, because they thought they were seeing things that they would never see. Um, and it's really kind of brilliant the way that that Bischoff um, and whomever else was, uh, I'm sure he didn't do it alone, but how they uh, how they managed to pull that off, you know, and, and I think nowadays with as much of the business that is exposed the way that it is, um, what was it that you sent today, Frank? Um, I think it was Jerry Lynn. Yes, Jerry Lynn uh, responded to a report that there's too much backstage leaks. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try uh, pulling it up, and and uh, I don't think we can get in trouble for saying this kind of thing. Uh, did you send it to our group? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and this is from at it's Jerry Lynn. It says, and I don't know what it's in response to, but. Because wrestlers and God knows who else 
have and continue to leak info to the sheets, podcasts, etc. So Tony tries to keep things confidential. You wouldn't want to know everything before you see a movie. Anyone who leaks info is doing damage to the product and the industry. I don't care where you fall on this side of the argument. I don't care if you're an AEW guy, uh, a Tony Khan guy, a Vince McMahon guy, a Triple H guy, a Jerry Lynn guy. I don't give a fuck. The, how can you not agree with that? Like, how, how can you not? It is. You're, you're, the, the analogy of the movie is perfect. I mean, you're, you're ruining it. We would yes, we know it's fiction. And the craziest part about this too, is that then the dirt sheets and whatever, they'll write whatever they write. And there's no checks and balances to that. As if the people that they're writing about aren't fictional <clears throat> people. <laughs> they'll write about them as if they are who they're portraying. But at the same time, these people have real lives. Therefore, that's why there should be checks and balances because you can ruin somebody's real life because yeah. of this fictional bullshit. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm, I for one am, am um, I'm proud to see a guy like Jerry Lynn come out and say something like that because it's, it's the goddamn truth you are you're doing damage to the business you know people that are leaking stories and they and they're they're making people fans and i'm going to put that in quotations of the industry they're making them um kind of fickle to the idea of well I was supposed to see that. So I don't really give a shit. Yeah. And it's the stuff that they don't think they're supposed to see that people start to care about. And it's like, uh, I don't know. I, you know, the, the craziest thing is, is now you're, and I don't like the word. I do not like the word Mark, but like, if that's what you fall into, you're the biggest Mark in the room. Because if you think for one second that you can't be worked, you're a mark. Yep. It's like they say about the poker table. You know, if you sit down to play poker, you you sit down at the table and you don't know who at the table is the sucker. You're the mm -hmm. sucker. <laughs> you <know? laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Frank? But another thing, like with with that, is it, it's forcing it forces fans. It doesn't force them, but it leads fans down a path of choosing sides, of picking mm. one company over the other, which is silly, it or is so being silly. like, you know, when Cody left and went to WWE and he was so successful, WWE fans could go take that AEW fan, see that Why? he's used properly here, and you know, if Punk does something, whether he shows up with WWE or whatever, it'll be the same thing. Take that AEW, WWE fans will be all happy, and AEW fans do the same thing. Edge came in, you know, screw you guys, and it's whatever. <laughs> I was, I mean, when I was a kid, I was a fan of everything. I, yeah. I, like I said, I watched the NWA, and I didn't watch it prior to 
that time frame. Why? Because I didn't have it. We didn't have TBS. I didn't watch the Braves either. You know, I watched the Mets. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when um, we would get the AWA on ESPN and we would get world class on ESPN, uh, you know, mm. and like I watched all of it because mm-hmm. I was just a fan of all of it. And it's the same. It's dare I say the same now. I mean, I watch more UFC than anything else, but like I'll watch one championship, you know, I'll, I'll Bellator. watch. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, I love, I've, you know, I've been doing martial arts since I was a kid and I love it myself. And, you know, pro wrestling is the same way. Like I, I don't know, almost anything combat. I'll watch it. Just, I, I, and I think that it's way more uh, enjoyable that way to, to not to, um, It'd be like, you know, uh, I guess it's the difference between like, I love facial tissue, not Kleenex. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, not, right. Not loyal to the, like, oh, that that's not Kleenex. I can't blow my nose in that. Right. <laughs> you know? Or like if you live in an area where there's a, a pizza shop on every corner. Yeah. I eat Johnny's pizza. Well, yeah, we got some Dave's pizza over my, I'm not eating Dave's. Are we crazy? <laughs> I'm a Johnny's pizza guy. You know, right. it's like even back right. in the day, like during the Monday night wars and all that, a lot of the fan rivalries were just fake almost because, yeah. you know, if you were at an ECW show and Paul's in the ring, you, you know, F Bischoff, F WCW, we're ECW. They're not going to take us down and 1500 fans. Yeah. F them, F them. And next week you're at uh, the Spectrum watching Nitro. The same 1,500 people that were there saying we're ECW in our blood, they were at Nitro, you know. So it's like yeah. it wasn't even. It was just all BS back then. So there's a really really interesting book. It's called Tribe. The author's uh, Sebastian Younger, and mm-hmm. I think if you uh, take some of these. Um, concepts from this book and you applied it to wrestling fans it, it would really kind of blow your mind a little bit but it, it's really it uh, it's more than anything about how uh, in our history it's in our dna to be you know to be tribal and to be yeah. um to want to belong it's it's part of how we we feel safe as human beings um it's it's almost like um, an instinctual mechanism that like had to be, and you think about it, and then and then you're like, okay, well, you know, how many times do you hear somebody talk about, um, you know, well, I'm a Denver Broncos fan, and you know, and we we got um, uh, we got Terrell Davis, you know, or what? Mm-hmm. I definitely dated myself with that reference, but I, but I I know it, know. I got it. <laughs> it, it it's uh it's like well you didn't actually get anyone <laughs> you know right. or like yes. you know the yankees uh yeah we got uh so and so and it's like uh no i don't but that's it's it's in our dna it really is you almost can't even knock people for it but um yeah like i'm a, a philly philly sports fan of course unfortunately sorry if that <laughs> was everyone's opinion of me or, or anything right. but even someone like me who was a diehard fan and then, you know, somewhere around 2010, not that I lost interest, but I stopped paying such close, hardcore attention, you know, so I didn't have to watch every Phillies game or I didn't have to live or die over the Eagles result. You know, I'm still a fan now. I still don't live or die over the results, 
but it's just in my blood to hate the Dallas Cowboys, you know, yeah. or to, or to hate the Braves, you know, or to hate the, the Rangers, for example, you know, it's just, I don't know if it's, you know, from the area I'm from and you're just, you grow up that way or whatever, but yeah, absolutely. If you're in a certain area, it's just, it's in your nature. If you're a Red Sox fan to hate the Yankees or vice versa, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I, uh, I, Dennis, do you feel that much? Uh, you're a big baseball. Man. Yeah. I mean, it's, but growing yeah, up, a, you hate the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Without it's a just, doubt. Yeah, there's just no. Yeah. It's their fans. Most of their fans too. So, <laughs> love it. Which is amazing because I don't know most of their fans, obviously. Yeah, right. But you know, the ones I do know, actually, I have quite a few friends that are Red Sox fans. I don't yeah. hate them. We just don't talk baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Frank, That's one of the good things. About the... Who do you who do you hate, Frank? Other than me? Other than you? Ooh. Yeah, that's it. We just... uh, man, that's a short list. And yeah, it's an end. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's not as short of a list as the one in my pants. Hey, oh, all right, hey, oh, there it is. Segue right. for our picks of the week. Oh, is yeah. that what it was? Is that what we got going on? You a uh, football fan, uh, Joe? Um, yes, but not, a, okay. not like I was saying before, not as hardcore as I was, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I keep up with it. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, well I was three and oh last week. Oh, you are picks. You were two and one. Oh, why? Uh, what week was I three and oh? Two weeks ago. Okay. Well, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> At some point he got all three, right? Yeah. Are we segue in there? Uh, I think Frank, I think, that's... I think it's a good segue. All right. All right. So, uh, Joe, we, uh, we would be asking you, uh, so obviously we're gonna have our guests go first, correct? Or do one of us lead it off to kind well, of, uh, one of us do, we'll give Joe some time to look at the schedule. Okay. His picks submitted three picks, the NFL with the spread, of course. Okay. You want me to we call off? it, we call it Bobby's best bets. There you go. I'm in. Is that your cat, Dennis? Yeah, it's one of them. Yeah. It's one of the two that it's one of the two that are currently in heat. It's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's rough. Yeah, oh, we know what you're doing when you get off the air. No, what? <laughs> that's a hell of a thing <laughs> no, to put out there, Dennis. That's, that's a, well, I'll go first. That's a you weird. Get arrested thing to put out in some there. states for that. He's in one of them. Luckily, <laughs> it should be all of them. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, not Albany. <laughs> Albany's a state. It is. It, it is now, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Frank. All right, I'm gonna go uh, Tennessee, Miami, and the Bengals. Why? Wow. Um, why would you go with the city name on the first two and then the mascot? <laughs> why not Cincinnati? Why okay. Not? Tennessee, Miami, Cincinnati. How's that sound? <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, I'm going Bengals, Commanders, and Vikings this week. Hmm. Okay. Am I next? What was your last pick there, Dennis? Vikings? Yeah. Is that okay with you? That's great with me. Okay. I was just making sure. 
I, well, shit, last week we had to have Bobby pick like three times because he kept picking the fucking teams that were on by that week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so should we try this week? Okay. Yeah, it's just uh, great. We should. Are you ready? <laughs> we should. Uh, Portugal, Budapest, and Hungary. Yes, I am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Bobby's picking soccer games, I guess. Wrong uh, <laughs> Well, some places call it football. Everybody Rangers or Cardinals. Yeah. <laughs> or Rangers or Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, my, my real picks? About, yeah. All right. Steelers. Um, Broncos. And uh, the Buccaneers. Hmm. Okay. I would go Browns. Bears, Ravens. Browns, Bears, and Ravens. Bobby, you might have. Oh no, the Bucks are playing. Never mind. Wow, you're picking the Bears to beat New Orleans. Well, New Orleans to not cover. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah. Because the Bears are fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think the line seven. Oh, okay. And I just, yeah, yeah. In fact, I might even do a little parlay action. Oh, I like it. I like That's it. My I like it. Yeah, let me take a look at that. As much as I enjoy this segment and all the shit that we do with it, you got to be nuts to be taking any advice, betting advice from the three of us. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I just... oh, yeah. Don't listen to me either. You know? <laughs> I don't know if he's taking. We all have a winning records, so. though. So if you weren't paying attention to us, you'd be up some money. Let's be honest. Right, right, right. That is <laughs> that is true. That's that's what's, true. What's my record? I think you are. Let me check. Hold on. Talk about yourselves. Okay. Anybody got anything to say? I just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nope. Joe, what's next for you, man? Anything uh, upcoming that uh, the fans uh, need to know about? Yeah, the one thing I, I could think of is, you know, WrestleMania is in Philly next year, next spring. Mm-hmm. And, of course, with it comes a million events and live shows sure. and indie shows and conventions. But since I am I work with the Conan and Disco show and the Raven show and uh-huh. uh, I'm affiliated with some other shows, I was going to throw a little party. So for listeners and fans and stuff like that that didn't, have something else to do that Thursday night. I don't know yet what's going to be that Thursday night, so it's it's taking a chance. But we were going to have a little uh, karaoke party for okay. the, the listeners of each show, and that'll be next. It'll be the Thursday of WrestleMania week, uh, close okay. to Philly, close enough that if you're around the airport hotels and all that, if that's where you're staying, it's only five ten minutes away. Nice. So I'm still putting it all together now, but it's yeah. I figured I started talking about it last month. I was like, eh, that's not too early, you know, because. Yeah. All the stuff's gonna start coming up and all that, but yeah. So yeah. that's that's been Never around too a little early bit. to promote. Yeah, a little karaoke mania. I think we're gonna. Yeah, the more call. people so have some fun. Know, the sooner they know, that. the better. Hell yeah. Yeah, and all hopefully, right, cool. depending on who I, I communicate with and all that, we'll have uh, you know wrestler judges and things like that. Little wristband deal, all you can drink. It'll be it'll be a good one. Oh, nice. It'll be a good yeah. one. So nice. Very cool. Anybody Very that hears cool. that is like, oh, that sounds like something different. Just uh, you can follow me on Twitter at jfeeny3rd, and I'll I'll keep everything updated there. Hmm. Cool. All nice. right. 
All right. Well, you're 14, 5 and 1. Dennis and I are both 14 and 6 on the year. Wow. I'm 14, 5 and 1. Yes, I am in the lead. Uh, by percentage points, yes, yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> not, not by percentage points. Like I'm. Well, yeah, by percentage yeah, points because you have a draw, right? <laughs> right, and you guys have losses. You have one loss more than I do, and you have one more draw than we do. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Guys, that does, it puts you at the top you. of the standings. I'm better <laughs> than you, and you know it. <laughs> take it easy. Take, take it easy. Take it easy, Maxwell. I'm wagging my finger at both. <laughs> That's D Scott, the radio guy. Where can you find you? All your DJ needs. Uh, Guess what I'm doing now, Frank. That's a different. That's thing. the middle finger. Uh, for all, for all of your DJ needs, you can always, you can just you. you can just email me dscottradio at yahoo.com. You can e- Frank. You can email this. Bobbyfishapparel.com if you want to buy a shirt from the schmuck. Like this shirt right here. There. That's a I great want to get a shirt ah. with this on it, and I'm going to send it to your house every week, Frank. Cool. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Frank, I would ask you what you got going on, but you really don't ever have anything happening. I try. Not He's to. got this going on, Dennis. This your flag football is all done for the little one. It is. There you go. No more it, practice. You're it, so you're so happy to not have to go to fucking practice every day. I, I swear to God, I miss it. I'm getting the edge to coach. Hmm. Poor children. I love it. I miss it. Then I, I yeah. Frank, you look like a guy who would coach girls bowling. Girls <laughs> bowling. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, I Weirdo. I did. I gotta tell you, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was that was definitely a swerve there. I did yeah. not see that one coming at all. Holy in shit. here lurks a. It's a strange place in here. It's yeah. Really, really. Yeah. It's always moving. It's always yeah. moving. You don't ever want to. You don't want to stay there too long. It's actually <laughs> true. It is. It is moving. It's mostly because of concussions. <laughs> Because of the herpes? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. I, got, I got herpes in my head. Oh, shit. Yeah. Right. Well, if it goes untreated, it can get really weird. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> you could say that about this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> also true. All right. Well, uh, Joe Feeney, it's been a pleasure, man. Um, please tell Conan and Disco we give them our best. And Raven. Um, Don't forget Raven. Yeah, Raven. What about Raven? Why not? What about Raven? What about me? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's memorable. Right? There you go. Well, Joe, thank you for your time. Appreciate you, sir. Thanks for your patience. uh, Boys. All right. We got got nothing. Say goodnight, Bobby. Goodnight, Bobby.